This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Simmons, from Houseworks, foundation problems are not always easy to spot, but when you do see that crack, it's time for some action. Today on the show, we welcome Todd Sandridge from Superior Foundation Services. We've needed somebody about uh, foundations on the show for a while, so if you want to join the conversation with us this morning, you can call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. How are you guys doing this morning, Jeff, Pam? Very good. I um, I need to let you know I discovered uh, a new skill that I have. Oh, what's that? Uh Well, I found out this weekend that I'm really, really good at throwing an axe. Really? Is that is that uh, something that's often required of you? Well, I, I split a lot of wood, so I'm guessing that's the reason I'm so good at it. <laughs> well, good for you. That's good, Jason. <laughs> we got to put you in a contest somewhere. We really oh, should God. because uh, they handed me that thing, and I started throwing, and I bet... Maybe I missed that target five times out of 50. So did you go to one of those places where you throw an axe like a, like a, you know, one of those tactical places where you shoot a gun? Is there like a throwing axe kind of place? Yes, there's an axe throwing bar and we were having a surprise birthday party. Whoa, 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 whoa. Axe throwing and alcohol? <laughs> Perfect. I kinda, yeah, maybe that's why I was so good. Right. <laughs> you think. <laughs> So, uh, Jeff, so uh, tell us about the joys of owning a boat. Well, I, I'm, I'm still trying to get over this redneck bar she's in. Right, right. <laughs> throwing axes at each other. Axe throwing, I'm you drinking. Next time right. you get an wow. invitation, Jeff, I want to I wanna have a contest with you today. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Um, no, the, the joys of boat ownership. Um it, 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 we don't have enough time in the show, so I'll keep right. it short. Ever since I have purchased this boat, we we get a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, this was our this was our third trip to the hurricane hole, and I've got it figured out. I know I know the problem, so we're gonna stop hurricanes now. I bought a boat on I, I can't even remember what day it was. Anyway, I bought a boat a day day before the the last hurricane came i bought a little fishing boat so i'm done i'm done buying boats yeah um we are back in our port now we have no electricity don't know when we're going to get it uh mm. but we do we do have a generator okay so, i think i hear it fact, spinning I'm in the good. background to be honest with you uh well I'm i got into the it. show you're doing the show from the dock yeah from the boat yes okay all right, good deal. Well, I got into some things this weekend. Um, I was telling Java about it. I had, okay, so my wife and I take a walk around the neighborhood every time, every every night, right? Well, we were walking, and the across-the-street neighbor had these two old, rusty, busted steel chairs from probably 1950s, uh, maybe 60s. Anyway, 
they look pretty rough. But we took them home anyway, and I took them apart. There, there was only four bolts holding this whole thing together. Uh, each chair had four bolts, so I, I had to cut the bolts off because they were at least fifty years old and rusted. So I cut those bolts off, took the whole thing apart, sanded it, repainted it. It is so cool. Um, my wife picked out like this canary yellow color to paint them, and they're just really awesome. And all of a sudden, these ancient, uh, hideous chairs look really cool on our front porch. They really I do. I love that. That is so great. Yeah, Tell them was, what color, Jason. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that canary yellow was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, pretty hot. I did not pick the color. That's not my thing. That's the wife. I'm just the labor on the project. So, um, so we did that, and then Sunday I spent time installing a new stereo and backup camera in my car. So, see, I, I did plenty on the weekend. There's yeah. a bunch of do-it-yourself yeah, I stuff. Finished my fence. I got the fence in the backyard done. So, oh, good I for you. About that, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the phone real quick. Dennis is on the line in Starkville. What's going on, Dennis? Well, good morning. I have a question. In nineteen two thousand three. I bought a house here in Starkville, mm-hmm. and the seller said that they had replaced the hot water heater in 2001. And my basic question is, how can I determine, or can anybody determine, when that installed hot water heater from 2003 will need to be replaced? Hmm. It was installed in 2003, so it's it's a... No, 2001. 2001. I moved, so, I moved in in 2003. Right. Okay, so it was installed. It's, it's 19 years old. That's um, correct. That's correct. Yeah, and that's, you know, the average life on a water heater... Well, let me put it like this. <laughs> the warranty is seven years, so the average life is eight. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh. What you can do, Dennis, you just you can actually look at it and see um, what an inspector looks for on a water heater. We want to make sure that uh, all the connections don't have any corrosion on them. We'll look at the tank and make sure there's no rust. Uh, we want to make sure that pan is good and solid. Is Where is the water heater in your home? Is it up in your attic or is it in a basement? Yes, it's up in the attic. Okay, can you see it? Can you Can you actually go up there and see it? Well, I'm old, and I don't like to go up there. Yeah. Well, what you may want to do is uh, just see if you can get a plumber to service it. You know, one of the things that folks don't realize about water heaters is you're supposed to flush them out every once in a while. Oops. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nobody does that. Why why would you want to do that? But what you could do is maybe get a plumber over there to cost you a a service call to flush it and make sure everything's going okay. And, I mean, it could keep going, or it could be ready. Yeah, okay. and, and you can't miss if you just wanted to replace it. If it's 19 years old, it's always okay to replace a water heater that's that old. So I agree. Yeah, now, yeah I agree. Do it before, guys, yes, sir. Before you have to. <laughs> hey, let me let, let me caution everybody on this. Okay. Uh, Dave, David, do you have a pull down stair in your attic, or do you have a walk through attic? No, I have a pull down stairs. Okay. The new water heater will not fit through that pull-down stair. Oops. That's right. So, this is what I'm going to recommend. It is gas, right? Yes. Okay. Switch it out to a tankless. 
switch it out to what, please? A tankless water heater. A tankless okay. water heater. The water heater, the water heater manufacturers have made these water tanks shorter and fatter. By doing this, they will not go through a 24-inch pull-down stair anymore. Huh. That part well, that of it really never occurred to me. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Well, <laughs> it depends on what side of the fence you're on. Right. So, <laughs> so what do you but, do then? What do you do then? Uh, you, you, either, you either widen that hole or you do what I said, the least expensive thing to do, and the end result, you end up with a tankless water heater, which is is superior to your tank. Uh, you never run out of hot water unless you run out of fuel. Uh, so switch over to the tankless uh, uh, method. It sounds like an idea, Dennis. Uh, sounds like an idea to, to think about. If you're going to replace that thing, go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, putting your water heater in the attic or not being able to do that as easily anymore might not be horrible. And the reason why I say that is that, you know, we get lots of calls, lots of calls here on Fix It 101. And one of the calls we get lots of is, hey, my water heater or sometimes air conditioner is leaking past its pan down into my ceiling. So we see that a lot on this show. Uh, so it might not be a bad idea not to put that stuff up in the attic. I don't know. I don't know. I have to talk. But it's well, already it's there. What do, you do that? what do you do then? I'm sorry? If it's already up in the attic, how can you change that? Well, you'd have to reroute stuff. But I think Jeff's idea is probably the most solid of all. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm going to agree with Jeff. And if you can, Dennis, you could go to the Inspect It Like a Girl YouTube channel. And I have a series on tankless water heaters. If you're going to retro one into your attic, there's certain things that they need to do to make sure that that's going to work correctly. Um, the gas line's got to be the right size. You need the right type of pan. The water lines have to be correct. And I've got several, and I'm not the only one. There are other the other things that other people that'll show you, but we've gotten really good at putting in tankless water heaters. That's right. How, first how, came much, out, how much of these cost? What's the price? The tankless, uh, Jeff, give us a median. Okay. Uh, figure about 900 on your tank, 900 to a thousand dollars on your tank. Uh, get the other one out of your attic. You don't want to leave it up there. You're you're gonna spend thirty five hundred dollars roughly. Okay. But then you'll save. You know, can you still get tax rebates on that with the tankless? Well, I know that you can get a rebate from your gas company. Uh, it's not not big. It's relatively small. But but uh, Jeff, is that something that I, I'm that, not sure that I'm the gas sure. company will? Is that something that the gas company will uh, take care of for you and put it on a bill? Um, again, I don't know that. Um, it's worth the phone call. Sure okay. is. All right. Good deal. All okay, right, Dennis. My other question is, how do you know which brand is good to buy? Jeff will tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> you know, most of all the ones now are very good. We, we use Renai. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like them. The, the warranty is good. The service, um, service, uh, the customer service people are are good when you talk to them. So, and, and look, it's it's a simple it's a simple device. It is a coil 
It's a copper coil under a flame. That's, that's all it is. So. <laughs> all right. Well, Dennis, I hope some of the suggestions helped out. We're going to need to take a break now. But uh, when we come back, Trish is on the line and Timothy's on the line, and we've got some emails, and we're talking about foundations this morning with Todd Sandridge from Superior Foundation Services. And uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. As co-owner of Superior Foundation Services, Todd is here to talk foundation repair, both slab and conventional. So call in with your questions, comments. Just tell us what project you're working on this morning at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. All right, let's go to Trish in Jones County. What's going on, Trish? I want to comment, first of all, on the tankless hot water heater. I really like mine, but they have got to have that six-inch exhaust. My builder didn't understand that, and I've got a little exhaust problem, so I can't turn my hot water all the way on high in the bathroom. But other than that, I love it. I had had a hot water heater. My husband and I had had one for about 12 years in a old house that we put one in and loved it and i really like this one if the vent were better i would love it because it's great and it's a renai i agree with jeff it's a renai okay all right so you did use that brand okay by the way we're not endorsing any particular brand exactly i agree yeah all right what what was your question trish my question is i can't get my heat to come on my house was a year old july the first you're, and last on. year, I don't remember having any problems. It's electric. It's in the hallway right outside my bedroom. But I set the temperature on 60. I set the setting on heat, the mode on heat, the fan on automatic, and nothing has happened. It's still 70 degrees in my house this morning. Interesting. Uh, so that is only, you said, did you, you moved into the home a year ago. Was it a new home? Yes, we build, and it worked fine last winter. I remember no problems when I came and switched it from cool to heat. That's interesting. I think that system is probably still under somebody's warranty. Jeff, Pam, would you be interested in talking about that? Well, your manufacturer warranty will be for seven years. Okay. Um, but if Good. it could be, I would probably just give the builder a call and say, listen, my heat's not yeah. this morning. Right. Can you send one of your guys over here to check this out for me, please? And just be nice and pleasant okay. about it. Probably is, it is it gas? No. It's or electric. electric. Okay. okay. And I wonder if a breaker should be could be thrown or something. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. It's got a heat strip in it. Um, 
do you still have a good relationship with your builder? Extremely good. Very close friends. Absolutely. Call him and just say, hey, uh, something, something, something's going south. Yeah, uh, okay. your builder wouldn't want that to happen at that no, point. No, 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 anyway. no. He'd have a fit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, Trish. Was uh, Thank you. Was there something else we needed to take care of? Got me fixed. Thank you all very much. Love your show. Thank you, man. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep moving. We've got a, a full slate of calls here. Tim- Timothy's on the line off the grid in Louisiana. What's going on, Timothy? Good morning, y'all. Morning. And congratulations on the boat, Jeff. <laughs> he got all congratulations he... on the boat, man. Nothing like a boat. Yep. Uh, well, he got every... like He got everything he can pay for, Timothy. Trust me. All right. So what's going on? Well, I just you, you guys never mentioned the other possibility, solar, the water heater guy. You know, for less than five hundred bucks, we could put a solar water heater on that roof and pipe it in. And he never had, you know, his electric bill and everything was going to gas go down. Well, you know, and Timothy, we're having a hard time hearing you this morning, but if you've not heard Timothy before on the show, Timothy is kind of a regular caller who lets us know about the green options. Timothy lives 100% off the grid in Louisiana and um, and and can always tell us how to do it better. The guy has an engineer's mind, so he says you can do solar hot water. I'm fairly sur- sure Timothy has got blazing hot water Solar powered wherever he is, he just, that he's he able to get it done. So do remember, as he mentioned, that is always an option if you would like to put the effort into that to get that done. You can make some green energy. Okay, let's keep going to uh, Jackie. No, wait, is it which Jackie we're doing? Jackie and uh, Madison. Yeah, let's go to Madison. We've got two Jackies on the line. Sorry, Jackie and Madison. What's going on? I have two questions. You didn't mention electric uh, tankless, and um, my sister has one in a little Katrina cottage on the coast. Seems to work fine. She's only had it for about a year. Right. So what uh, do you do if you don't have gas? Well, and that's been mentioned also on the show before, and I'll let the pros take it. But I will say we've had an appliance guy here several times. Timmy from AC Remedies comes in, and he does appliances. And uh, you know, Jeff building houses a lot. Both of these people have suggested that electric is is uh, not the best version of the tankless water heater. But I'll let you take it from there, Jeff. Yeah, um, you know, I have a electric. If you're just servicing maybe a half bath and and maybe your kitchen or something, you could get a a two electric. Um, but I would switch over to propane. Um, it's, it's, it's still cost effective. You, if you don't like the, the, uh, sight of a propane tank in your yard, they can bury them. It's not expensive to do that. So I would simply switch to a, a propane. And I had okay. actually. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I told a client that the other day they're out on some acreage with uh, no gas, and I suggested the propane. Have I ever told you all the story about my 
electric tankless water heater. Gather around, kids. Light the fire. Here we go. Here we go. So about 20 years ago, Pammy decided she needed uh, a tankless water heater, and there was an electric one, so I had it installed. And, of course, the plumber had never seen it before, so he put it in. And let me say this was before Pammy was a home inspector. Okay. (laughs) So they put that thing in, and it happened to be on the opposite wall of my shower. Uh, and I was taking a shower, <laughs> getting nice hot water one night, and that thing blew up. And all I can say is that I'm grateful that I was standing in the shower because <laughs> because it scared me to death. Really? And I called. I well, I got out of the shower and I dried off, and I went in there, and it I literally blew up. So I called the plumber and I was like, come, you get this thing out of my house. (laughs) And I went back to a tank until I did my remodel about five or six years later. And that's when I came in with a gas. Okay. Wow. But yeah, I'm not a fan of those electric ones. (laughs) That's okay. That's a story. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Jackie, I don't know if that uh, moves you in any way, but uh, there's that. that's food for thought. I have an also a question about the granite undermount sinks that you spoke about about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I went to, I have a little house in Asheville, North Carolina. My children live there. Mm-hmm. And I, 10 years ago, I had an undermount granite, redid the kitchen, redid the bath. I had a uh, company do it, a local company in Asheville that's been in business for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Went up there. The next day, my sink dropped two inches in my kitchen. No. I called oh, the, the kitchen and bath company, and she she was very surprised. And want, uh, she sent me a, an estimate of $300 to replace it. There are no brackets under there to hold it. I told her that she installed it, and I felt that I shouldn't have to pay for it. So now she's come back and said, well, I'll split it with you, 150 each. <laughs> I'm going to do some research. But I had two undermounts put in a farm in Summit, Mississippi, uh-huh. about a year ago. And I'm going to go down there tomorrow and see if I've got undermounts. A granite company in Brookhaven put those in. Uh, I'm, I'm stunned. Uh, Jackie, we have on the line at this very second a licensed contractor who is squirming to talk about this. <laughs> so I, I will let Jeff yeah. go at it. Jackie, it's it's unfortunate. I'm I'm sorry that your sink fell out. There there there's there's no magic to it. What what I suspect we do it all the time. What I suspect has happened. Uh, the granite company got in a hurry. They cut the hole. It was probably wet, uh, or it had some granite dust on it or something. They applied the silicone to the to the top lip of the undermount sink. And just did not get a good seal. Uh, You should no way pay $300 to get this thing glued back in. Um, Now, it may cost $300 to get everything unhooked and hooked back up again. But uh, in my opinion, it is the granite company's responsibility, and I would stick to my guns. Hey, Jackie, let me give you a website to go to. Go to the uh, Marble Institute and look at the specifications. And we actually include this in our home inspection reports that says that they recommend uh, that those be clamped in or strapped in. 
So if you need some ammunition, that's where it is on the Marble Institute. Uh, good point, man. Telling me that ten years ago there was no. She's been in business for forty something years. She tells me that ten years ago there was no established um, recommendation, and the company that put my the granite company, um, they don't use them anymore. But uh, but it's not her fault. Well, you keep no, going. Wait, wait. Excuse me one second. Go Jackie. for it. Did the, the sink the sink stayed in for ten years and then fell out? Yep. Oh. And I and it's like I didn't stand on it. I mean it it's in the kitchen, a small kitchen. I thought a, you said it yeah. was the installation was only a year. No, no, yeah, no. I, I, uh, the one, the two I have in Summit in a farmhouse, and the bathroom and the kitchen are undermounts. And Brookhaven Marble Place put them in, and I'm going to check them tomorrow to see if there are brackets holding it. You know, undermount safety brackets. I don't know that, but this one was ten years ago in Asheville, North Carolina, and I had a reputable company, local Asheville company, kitchen and bath company, put them in. Well, I'm going to. 10 years. Yeah, I'm going to back up on what I said. That's, that's, if, 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 if it stayed in for 10 years, then Jackie, it's, I know. Not much recourse. All the customers now are going to start calling because now I'm talking contractor. If you (laughs) called me and I put your sink in 10 years ago and it fell out, I'm going to charge you to put it in again. So. No no brackets is my fault for not knowing that is that it well, well she's kind of kind of right in the uh your rep there as far as you know 10 years ago there might not have been specifications that's on. right that's right and then all of a sudden you know they start putting these specifications and that's why and jeff and i are both a proponent of continuing education so we're learning this stuff all the time and the things that make everything better. And I'm going to tell you, if she said she, she'd uh, charge you 50%, I'd take her up on that. Absolutely. I will check the Marble Institute and then kind of check around with other companies just right. to see. But, um, but at least the one in Summit, I need to make sure there are brackets. I, I didn't know that you had to have That's brackets right. under it. Right. So I've never yeah. looked. Yeah, and it's either a bracket or strapping. Some some folks use straps. All right, Jackie, That's thanks a lot. We appreciate it. I know that there's a, a lot of information there to process and get through, but uh, I hope you find your solution. Check those things that they uh, steered you towards. We want to take one more call before we go to the break. Jackie is on the line. We're going to talk to Todd Sandridge uh, uh, in just a few moments. Jackie, what's going on? Uh, hello, this is uh, Jackie Waynesboro. Uh-huh. I think I heard Pam say one time uh, a few months ago that if you were, had an a, a insurance claim and it had to do with hurricane damage, if they put the word C-A-T after the claim ca- standing for catastrophic, that they should not go up on the insurance premium. Um, I, I think I heard correctly. I just want to make sure that I did hear that. Well, I think um, I, I'm Repeat not sure, that. but but our our, yeah, our insurance pro really has been Jeff in the past. But go ahead and mention the the full thing again, so that we can hear exactly what the situation is. Okay, uh, with the last hurricane that last, I think it was last week. I think I had some uh, water damage through my roof and everything. So I called them Monday and did an insurance claim. And I think I heard Pam say one time that if they have the word 
CAT after the insurance claim that it would be grouped, it would, which stands for catastrophic, that they should not go up on your insurance premium. Did I hear that correctly? Okay. Well, yeah, let me, let me, part, part of that is right. A catastrophic event does not count on your claim record. Okay. Now, as far as insurance companies going up or down on your premiums is based on the good old bottom line. Did we make money last year, guys? If we didn't make money, we're going to raise our rates. Bottom line. Now, as an individual, let's say that you have two or three claims on your record, and all of a sudden, hurricane comes, and you say, oh, my goodness, I don't want to file another claim because I'm going to have four claims on my record. If it is a catastrophic number, C-A-T number, uh, it will not go against your record. And that, that's bottom line on that. Okay. Wow. Learn something new every day. <clears throat> the reason I ask is, you know, when you do a claim, the adjuster comes out, he may say, well, this roof is old. We're not going to do, we're not going to give you any money for this. And I filed a claim, but they turned it down. And I said, the least they can do is not go up on my premium. But, you know, that's not so. They can still go up on my yeah, premium. Yeah, they, first of all, insurance companies should never turn your claim down because of, because of the age of the roof. That is definitely wrong. Um, they should only turn it down if you've been paid on that roof before and you did not replace it. They have insured right. that room. Now, if it is wore out due to age, insurance company is not is not responsible. If it is damaged due to weather, I don't care how old the roof is, they're responsible to replace that roof. And, you okay. know, sometimes it's a good idea to get a contractor out there to look at it before the adjuster comes. Then you've got an advocate. That's that's exactly right. And if you're in the Biloxi area, you call me and I'll get my people over there to look at it. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, get Watch off that. And come see you. Oh, what did I say? You said. <laughs> yeah. I heard I what you I, said. I thought my thing was muted. Right, yeah. Uh, you know what, folks? When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Todd Sandridge from Superior Foundation Services. And I know we have lots of folks that have foundation questions. you got those cracks in the corners of your doors or maybe in the in the cracks in the floor. You can give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or... And send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Now, earlier we talked about we have got a, uh, a foundation pro on the phone this morning now. Now from Superior Foundation Services, LLC, let's welcome Todd Sandridge to the show. Todd, how are you doing this morning? 
Hey, I'm great. Good morning, guys. All right. Uh, so tell us about your uh, your background, Todd. How did you get into the foundation business? Well, I, I've been a contractor. I grew up in the construction business. been a contractor for almost 21 years now. Uh, my partner and I, um, we actually were flipping some houses, and, and you know, we were struggling with, with the foundation contractors that were out there, the ones, you know, in, in remediation work and repair right. work. And, um, and frankly, just, you know, most of them lacking integrity. They, you know, uh, they would tell us one thing and do another. And, um, so, you know, we kind of began a journey and, and researched products. And there wasn't, you know, anybody in town that had a, any innovation and in products and things like that. So, uh, we knew there was a better way. So, um, we kind of set out and 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 got a, a diversified, you know, um, product line right. and um, and and decided to bring it to the market. And um, it's been great. They're great. Uh, now, first things first. Um, well, first things first. If you'd like to talk to Todd about your foundation, if you've got a foundation issue, anything that you look at, say, like if you've got some cracked tile on the floor, if you've got a uh, crack in the sheetrock on the wall, anything of that nature, or you've just noted, hey, we seem to be leaning. I've been in those houses. Um, so give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. Okay, so Todd, the first things first. Can you live in your house while having foundation repair done? That's a great question. You know, yes, uh, and, and most people do. Um, part of the work that we do is obviously outside of the house. Um, everything that we do is underneath footing. So um, you do have, unfortunately, footing in the, on the interior of the house. And if we need to lift um, to a certain uh, level, yes, we would have to get in the house. Um, you know, probably don't want to be home while we're doing it, but we have plenty of people that do. So um, the the unfortunate part, if you're if you're lifting the whole house, um, you do have to open up all of the holes and lift at the same time. So you know there may be you know at sometimes a three day period, two to three day period that somebody may have to make other arrangements. Um, right. But uh, generally, I would say seventy five to eighty percent of the jobs that we do, we you can't live there. Through it. Now, um, I know that this is such a big deal. Everybody talks about it. Every time you think of any foundation thing, somebody says the words Yazoo Clay. Uh, In Mississippi, that's what people say when you have foundation issues. So so talk to us. Is that a reality? Is that why we have so many foundation issues in Mississippi? Yeah, it's a reality because of water. And I think, you know, what most people don't understand is foundation problems um, 100% of the time have to do with water, uh, drainage. Um, Yazoo clay can only expand or contract with a continuous source of water. So, um, you know, theoretically, you you know, and nobody wants to do this, and, and Jeff would and Pam both would, would, you know, echo this, but you, you don't want to build on top of clay. But if you did theoretically and you control the water, um, generally you'd be fine. Um, the problem is there's two things. Number one is Yazoo clay, but we have a bunch of different types of clay. Uh, the other thing is we, we don't have bedrock here in Mississippi. There's only, you know, four or five markets around the United States that are like that. So our load-bearing strata here is actually a clay. It's a blue clay. Um, and and so that's generally what we try to get down to, um, to live where it's a, it's a non-weathered clay. So water can't affect it. It doesn't expand or contract uh, with water. So the first remedy is always water. 
and and drainage and trying to figure out the determinant. And most of the, most of the estimates that we do, uh, we catch it beforehand and we can give them a, a solution to get rid of the water and drain the water and uh, we don't have to do anything. So. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I've got an email here that came in that, that kind of is along your lines, along with uh, uh, Pam and Jeff, uh, trying to give us a little help on this one. Here we go. Hey, Fix It 101, I enjoy listening to the program on Wednesday mornings. I'm hoping you can help shed some light on a persistent problem in my new home. When we have large amounts of rainfall, like last night, rainwater sweeps in through my laundry room door that leads to the backyard. There are two doors, the inside wooden door and the outside storm door. Water also is leaking into the garage, both through the sidewalls, one of which is in line with the laundry room door causing that leakage issue, and through cracks in the concrete pad. I believe the laundry room and garage were additions to the original house structure, which was built in the 50s. Do you have any advice about fixing this problem? Kelly. Uh, uh, that would be easy. Yeah, they need a, they need a drain. And, um, and you know, right. I'm, I, I'm not a firm believer of drain boxes. Um, I, I like a continuous French drain. Uh-huh. Um, you know, on a retrofit application like that, if you put a drain box in, you've got to grade the yard to the drain boxes. Um, and so therefore a continuous French drain, getting the water out of the, out of the way that would not only fix her problem of having water come in the house, which, which is a major issue. Right. Uh, and then you've got to call Jeff to go over there and fix baseboards and sheetrock and, and such, but you also don't have to call us to fix the foundation. So. Well, I did, I did, uh, I heard a red flag in that email. Um, and I'm sure someone else picked up on to it, uh, through the cracks in uh water's coming up through the cracks in the concrete pad when i heard that that was kind of a red flag is that what does that mean in any way i mean i know you said move the water but that seems very particular uh, it, it is and and obviously it's, it's you know water's gonna it, it's gonna try to find a way out and you know, the issue, you know, that's why we have so many cracks, driveways and things like that is people are not controlling the water that gets underneath. And I think, you know, there, there's two types of drainage and people, one type is the, is what you see. It, it's surface water that's coming down when it rains and things like that. But there's also underground water. And um, when, whenever we put it at, at Superior, when we put a drain in, we don't just, just you know, arbitrarily identify some location we actually dig down until we find underground water so if that water is at three feet and we put a two-foot drain in it doesn't do them any good right so we go in we determine where the underground water is uh if you determine that you get that out of there obviously the surface water will fall into your drain as well so you kind of kill two birds with one stone doing that wow to not hear hey we're coming out destroying your house and putting it back up is actually nice yeah you know uh, that's what everyone thinks when they think foundation. Oh my gosh, they're going to tear that side of the house off. Right. And and so so it's nice to hear that there there are, there are other options. And I would think uh, more economically uh, better options. Or you know. yeah, I mean you certainly want to catch it before it starts. And I think that's important. Unfortunately, a lot of the calls we get, it's too late. Right. Right. Um, and they say, well, I knew I had a problem. I knew I was getting water under my house and. And, you know, I knew it felt a little bit off. And, and honestly, if you're in the house every single day, uh, it, you kind of become, you know, a little bit immune to, you know, maybe the house being five or six inches off. Uh, right. You know, typically we can walk in and, you know, we, we put our level down and, and you can identify what's wrong, you know, the solution and what needs to be fixed. But we don't usually just stop there when we do an estimate. We actually go outside and we figure out 
what started the problem. So, right. you know, if you can identify that up front, yes, it, it's a whole lot cheaper to go in and put a drain in and make sure that no water is getting under your foundation. If you have that problem, it's not the end of the world. Um, and we recognize that, that it's, you know, somebody's largest investment. We also recognize, I mean, we live there, you know, with them. So right. we want to make sure it's, it's an easy process. Fantastic. If you've got a call for, or if you've got a question for Todd, call us now at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Of course, you can always ask about any project that you're working on. Fix it 101 at mpbonline.org. Another email here. You guys ready? I have a, uh, about 20 years ago, I built a building and put a half bath in. Three years ago, we added a shower and hot water. The hot water heater is in the attic. Now, when the shower uh, runs, the smell from the water is terrible, like rotten eggs or sulfur. Therefore, we can't use the shower. What's the problem? Thoughts, guys? <laughs> yeah, I know what it is. Oh, you do? I do, too. I know what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, Pam, serious. <laughs> No, Jeff, you spoke up first. I'll tell you. Okay, there's a rod in your hot water heater that collects deposits in the water. Uh, and it smells just like sulfur. It stinks so bad you can't turn the water on. Have that rod replaced. Now, depending on how hard your water is, you may end up replacing the entire water heater. Try the anode. It's called an anode rod. Try replacing that first. It's not expensive. Is the anode and, rod something that and, a person can replace, or is that something a contractor after, must do? No, you can. Here's the number one rule. Turn the water off to the water heater, right? either at the street or, or at the device, mm-hmm. because when you take that rod out, that tank still has pressure on it, and water is going to start shooting up out of the tank. Uh, so turn your water off and make sure you turn, if it's electric, turn your breaker off. If it is, if it is gas, turn, turn the gas off. So do your homework. Take a minute. But it is user-friendly, homeowner-friendly. You can do this at home. Now, is this and a, you can flush a, your, uh, this would be a great opportunity to flush your tank. You know, that's sure would. We're supposed to do anyway, but we never do. You keep mentioning that, Pam, and I I keep trying to forget it. If you'll stop saying it, I'll forget it. So, okay. right, yeah, <laughs> flushing your water heater. So, okay, that uh, that sounds like a, a great solution. Now, uh, uh, Jeff, is this something you can go to your local hardware store and pick up? Um, probably not. Probably going to go to a plumber plumbing supply house. Okay. Okay. All right, so that's what we can look for, or of course, always you can uh, order it online. So, but if the locals have it, that'd be great. Sure would. All right. Yeah, it looks like I'm seeing some big box stores that have them. So, Do they? Okay. Yeah, okay. and I've I've done that before for a friend of mine, and I picked it up at one of the smaller hardware stores. Okay, it's it? very simple, and and it's very very common. Uh, I ended up replacing in our garage apartment. Uh, I ended up replacing the entire water heater, um, but it's a common problem. Right. Um, 
Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or fixit101 at mpbonline.org if you want to do an email. Todd Sandridge is here, and uh, he is here to answer your questions about uh, foundations. He's from Superior Foundation Services, LLC. And uh, if you want him to answer your foundation question, you can. Okay, I've got another question here from email this morning. I would love suggestions. Oh, man, I hate this. I would love suggestions for removing a popcorn ceiling and painting the ceiling after. If the popcorn comes back as as containing asbestos, how much should I expect for professional removal? Um, uh, Well, I will say I've taken down a popcorn ceiling before, and you could not pick a worse job. To do that's right. It that's right. is. It's it's difficult. Uh, it takes uh, some strength, some upper arm body strength. It uh, it also it, you have to keep your arms above your head, honestly, for most of the time, and that's really excruciating after a while. But uh, the other thing about it is, it's about the messiest thing you can do in a home outside of just taking a saw to your sheetrock. It's 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 quite messy and it, it will take a lot of cleanup, but it is doable. And one of the things that I noticed when I was doing it personally is the difference is whether you can scrape it or not is whether that ceiling has had paint on it. So if someone has painted the uh, popcorn ceiling for one reason or another, a lot of people do that to brighten it up or whatever. Once it's painted, it's a lot harder to scrape down if it's not painted you can wet it, you can wet it down and you take a scraper and go that's a great point and then as you found out when you did it jason if you nick the the sheetrock go back with a little mud you got to fix it and uh, yeah. put it out and sand it one of the things that you'll notice is the reason why people use popcorn uh, ceilings what it's called uh, textured ceilings there's a lot of different reasons one of them is sound Uh, One of them is air movement, a lot of different things. But one of the great things that contractors love about popcorn ceilings is it is very hiding. Well, when you get that popcorn ceiling off, flat walls don't hide anything. You'll see every joint if it's not properly taped and everything else. So uh, when someone popcorns a ceiling, that means that there, there could even be a flaw in the ceiling that you just don't see because the popcorn is there. So uh, be prepared for that. Any thoughts, well, guys? Well, uh, if you get an inspector flashlight, you see it all. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, yeah. You don't want to do that. Just it, kind of any thoughts it. about that project? I'm not oh, going to do it. <laughs> no, I tell you what. It, 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 absolutely. It is a it's a uh, homeowner project. Yes. It's just like, like you said. Put some lightweight plastic down. It is dirty. It mm-hmm. is... It is back straining, arm straining, but when you're done, when you're done, it is highly uh, rewarding. It's it's beautiful. Uh, Let me tell you a cheat, by right. the way. This is a homeowner cheat that I've done, a DIY cheat. I went out, and uh, I was going to take the popcorn off of my ceiling in my bathroom, and it just seemed so daunting. I had done one room before, and I thought, you know what, I'd almost rather do anything else. So I went out and bought uh, thinner cuts of sheetrock and just yep. put them right over that ceiling. Yeah, a quarter inch. Yeah, quarter inch sheetrock and but just screwed then, it in. Yeah, but then but then you had to take your crown down 
Yep. And and and, and redo that. So mm-hmm. well, there, crown, hey, there, there, there's pros and cons to it. There is, but uh, crown molding is also in itself a cheat. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, you know, if you're doing crown molding, you can get that corner just like you like it. But then again, no one's going to see that corner. So you that's can, right. So that's right. You can hide it. Now, tape it. I, I recommend taping it, but you don't have to finish it. Right. That's true. All right. Uh, so, Randy's on the line in Kemper County. What's going on, Randy? Hello. Rand, Randy, you with us? Okay. Uh, you were The lady was talking about... Uh, if, Draining or flushing your uh, hot water tank, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, do I need to shut just the power off and leave the water on when I do that, or or both, or neither, or how does that work? Hey, well, if it's up in your attic, um, if you yeah, you want to cut your power, cut your gas, and then um, open up. You, you put a hose on the valve at the bottom. People don't realize it's like you got a faucet at the bottom. So you just hook that hose up, run it outside, <laughs> take it outside, so and then just open it up, and it should flush right out. But I do leave the water on, but turn the power off. No, 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 no. Turn your water, turn the water off, um, because it'll run and run and run and run and run. If, if okay, you don't, well, I, didn't, I thought maybe that would help flush it out, but uh, okay. No, the gravity should take that water out. Well, no, he's saying, Pam, if he wants to flush it, leave leave the water on, hook the hose up, and let that circulate. Oh, okay. let, that, let, let that keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I use a circulating pump on a tankless in a five-gallon bucket and just let that circulate. But on a tank, he's exactly right. Hook the hose up and let that water continue flushing for, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. You should be able to tell. You can watch that water because it'll That's go right. rusty, kind of nasty. People don't realize that stuff's at the bottom, and it goes back to that anode. If your <laughs> anode right. bad, you got bad water. That's right. Well, folks, wow, that was uh, that was a quick show. But I do want to say, uh, Todd Sandridge from uh, Superior Foundation Services LLC. Uh, Todd, please come back on the show with us. We didn't get nearly enough information from you today. So I would love to. There you go. Thank you. Anyway, uh, Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Pam Pibus, Jeff Sammons, and our guest Todd Sandridge, I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech, with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101, only on MPB Think Radio.